welcome to The Found Cause, where we found our cause and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Michael, the man behind the machine, and to my right is... Sebastian, the bookkeeper. Our poor friend Theodore um, is not here today, but he's not poor because he is doing what he's doing. He's poor because he's not here. Today he's on his honeymoon, so congrats to Theodore for getting married and to his lovely wife. Um, that's our intro. I actually, I consulted Sebastian. There was an old Found Cause tradition of doing insane intros, especially on non-response videos. And um, I just think we're axing it. You know, we've matured past it. So uh, this sounds like an intro to uh, some freakish thing. It's not. Uh, today's episode is on bioethics. Now, if you wanted to put me to sleep, you would give a, a speech about bioethics. I find philosophy and other things like that pretty boring. I used to find it exciting until um, I listened to, like, Jordan B. Peterson just a little too much. And then it's like he always says the same. Like, he has one speech. Um, and so, and inspiring philosophy and capturing Christianity and other like Christian philosophers on YouTube. Um, very boring, very meek, um, and not in a good way in my opinion. So, um, I don't mean to put our audience to sleep. I want to give us an intro of bioethics. Sebastian, what is one topic we're going to talk about today that has to do with bioethics, biological ethics in the Christian worldview? Abortion. Right. Let's put meat in the bone instead of using euphemisms. We're going to talk about abortion. Yeah, it's relevant to the, the Dobbs v. Casey decision that just uh, overturned the federal mandate of abortion in every state in the U.S. Um, no, the whole episode's not about abortion. Um, have we done an episode on abortion? I'm not today. sure. But we're going to address it today. We're not going to not address it. Uh, but I think the obvious answer for any of listening is that we are Christians and therefore are against abortion because of the law of God and the mandate of God's law. So we will talk about it and we'll flesh it out. But uh, this episode is not just about abortion. Tell us about some other bio, bioethical issues that we should be concerned about and how does God's law apply to it particularly. We were talking about this, yes, because abortion is now in the news, but also because there are things that uh, close to my attention these days is Christians and how they apply the law properly to politics and their lives. And often conservative Christians get along in many ways, and, and abortion is pretty blanketly um, adopted by conservative Christians of of weaker faith than others, um, but they don't always know why they oppose abortion. And typically, they don't even have the law or the scripture to defend it. They just know that Christians oppose abortion, so they do. And therefore, on other bioethical issues that we'll talk about today, um, they have an opinion because they're conservatives and it's the political opinion at the time, or it seems weird, so they're against it. But we don't want to talk about the actual laws the Bible has to say against things or pro things like cloning, gene editing, um, in vitro fertilization, uh, physician-assisted suicide and euthanasia, things like that. So without further ado, let's get into our first topic and get it out of the way. It is important, it's vital, it's really the reason that this episode is happening, abortion. Sebastian, why can't I kill my child before he breathes his first breath? Because I've heard that um, the great Jewish tradition um, actually endorses and requires abortion if it is going to upset the mother too much, so said um, a liberal Jewish lady on TikTok. So why don't Christians also believe that life begins at first breath? Well, I would like to question the the mind of this Jewish rabbi that you're speaking to, number okay. one. Okay. Yeah. A lady rabbi. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what we would call that anyway. It is sinful. <laughs> Sounds like someone who works at a bar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it is sinful because it is murder. But wait, you say. Is it really murder? Are you really killing 
a human? Well, first to bring it down, down to its roots, why is murder wrong? Is murder wrong because the GDP decreases by every person you kill and they're no longer going to produce babies or profit or whatever? No. Is it murder because you feel bad? No. Is it murder because the U.S. law says it's murder? No. It is ultimately murder because God says thou shalt not murder in his law. And we adhere to God's law. So whatever Christian you are, whatever country you are, even if your country condones and allows murder in that wicked way, you are never to because God commands us to follow his holy law even after Christ. Christ is the fulfillment of the law, and therefore the old law is still valid. It's still God's law. It's still God's vision for governments. And so whether or not your country allows murder, you are not to stand for murder. And therefore, yes, claiming something is murder means we're, we're drawing the ethos, the reason why you hate murder from the law. So we believe murder is wrong because God says murder is wrong, and murder means intentionally killing your fellow man. Okay. Oh, wait, is it actually your fellow man, Michael? Right. And that, I'm sure, good viewer, is the crux of the argument usually these days. However, I wanted to give the base of the murder thing because you will find, especially these days when abortion is such a hot topic, um, you'll find many those on the pro-abortion side that will say, we know it's murder, but you should be able to kill this kind of person, this baby, because you want to, you have the right to kill your children because they're your property. Um, or that they haven't produced anything for society yet, or maybe they will be a deleterious effect in society. They will actually be a draw on social welfare or whatever else. So we have the right to murder because there's circumstances that allow them for murder. Um, but we know the only justified killing of human beings in the Bible is for death penalty worthy offenses, of which being alive is not one of them. So if a baby is just alive, um, you cannot put them to death. There's several death worthy offenses, but only a limited amount. And then, of course, um, somebody can put to death in self-defense because of um, some struggle, whether it is war or it's an attack. So those are the only two reasons that you have justified killing of another person. You cannot kill another person outside of those two. So we would put to death all those other reasons why you might decide to murder your baby. The number one defense of abortion is that you're not actually killing the baby. You're just ending a pregnancy that would have resulted in a baby. So... Um, how would you respond to that, Sebastian? So I'm flipping the table. I know you asked me, but I'm going to flip the table and give it back to you. Uh, how would you respond to that, that first line of argument that uh, the baby isn't actually a human yet because they haven't breathed or whatever else? I want to ask first so we can lay some foundation. What is it that makes you a human? If you'd be so kind. Uh, so In the garden? Yeah, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just answer truthfully instead of being your, your devil's advocate. I'm going to say that God is the one that declares humanity human and worthwhile defending. He makes them, as it says in Genesis in the garden, he made men and women in the image of God. And therefore, we are intrinsically valuable. And we have, again, the command from the law not to murder. Um, even before the official giving of the law, Cain murders Abel, super famous Bible story. I'm sure you know it if you've read anything about Christianity. And that was considered evil. So it's clearly intrinsic that you should not murder a fellow man um, even before the official giving of the law. And so he reiterates it to Noah, and of course he gives it in the Mosaic Law. So all throughout time, God has not allowed men to spill other men's blood without consequence. And mm -hmm. uh, that's because man is inherently valuable, made in the image of God. So it's God who determines who is a man and what makes him valuable. Do you lose the image of God as you age? Of course not. Therefore, 
does a baby have the same amount of the image of God as a 90-year-old man? Yeah, I mean, I exact? say so. I would say, I would say so myself. What is my point? That a baby in the womb carries as much the image of God because when a man and a woman, you know, you know if you know your basic science, yes, that. if they have intercourse, they're going to naturally produce another human. That they're not going to produce an elephant, nor a monkey, nor a plant. Which you are allowed to kill. Yes. But don't go on an elephant killing spree. That looks pretty bad nowadays. Well, ten, ten creation well, yeah. Yeah. My point being, a human will be born. Sure, maybe with some uh, disabilities, if, if that is what the Lord wills. But another a story for another day. But a human, nonetheless, an image bearer of God. And you may say, really? You're telling me that clump of cells is really a human? Well, just to go back to the original like Jewish thing that I started with, many these liberal Christians, I'm sure, but I just started from TikTok, liberal Jewish people saying that um, it's when you take your first breath. That's what God says. God breathed life into Adam. He wasn't alive until God breathed life into him. So it's the breath that causes life. I would take it further. It actually is in the blood. And then... I'll, make, I'll, I'll continue going even further. For the law, it also does state that life is in the blood. Mm-hmm. So He also says it in Genesis 2. So the very beginning, yes. life is in the blood. Yes. So then you might say, wait. Therefore, when you have the first heartbeat, or when the heart of blood starts swelling in the, in the body, that's when it's alive. So before then, can you kill the baby? No. Because, oh, this is when, if you're reformed, just like how you... We talked about how Reformed theology is really the best and clear biblical way. Biblical. Trying to follow the Bible logically and consistently. Getting how babies can, well, they had no conscience, be in the presence of God only by Reformed theology. Can you explain that to other humans? Likewise, by Reformed theology, can you explain how a baby carries the value and image of God? Why do I say that? Jeremiah 1. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. God is speaking to Jeremiah. Before you were born. And he formed you in the, in the womb of your mother. When the, excuse me, when the egg and the sperm meet, the human being starts to be formed there. That's a new human already. Has a unique set of DNA. God knew Jeremiah before that even happened. Mm-hmm. What's my point? In Ephesians 1, 1, we all know a lot. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption in Jesus Christ. Before the planet Earth was even, before there was even a human walking on planet Earth, God thought predestined us to be born to be saved by Christ could be, you know, someone like Augustine in the early church or you and I right now, 2,000 years after Christ. God knew of every single human that would walk on the planet Earth and predestined us, as the Bible says, I'm not, I'm not making up words here, to adoption in Jesus Christ. Therefore, you were a human. You had your value given to you by God, in his mind at least, before you were even created. How much more when you are actually being formed in the womb. Even David praises this in the psalm. And he says, oh, if I can find the psalm. 
Ah, there it is. 139. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. He, um, speaking of his life, of course, that God had numbered all the days of his life, meaning he had an intention for David to exist, mm -hmm. meaning he was a human in the mind of God before David was even born. And also when, when David says, I was sinful from birth in my mother's womb, meaning he was a human in his mother's womb. I could keep going. In Romans 8, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. God foreknew us before we were even walking on, or we were even born. We were even um, formed in our mother's womb. What more can I say? You had value. God thought of you, thought of all his children before they were even born. Therefore, that thing that you're saying is not a human is a human because it has the image of God bearing it before they were even created. Every human that would be born or, you know, be start be formed in the womb has the image of God. Right. And it, it might seem silly to some because you might say, um, how, can a, how can a concept, right? So the Lord knows Sebastian, he knows Jeremiah, he knows David, he knows me before we're even born. How can that count as a human? Because like, how could I possibly murder the concept of Michael or the concept of Sebastian, or the concept of whoever? Um, therefore, it's not a human because humans you can murder, humans you can do whatever. Um, I think that's consequently a wrong definition of what a human is. Like we just said, like Sebastian just said, human is actually a concept in the mind of God, and he, ma he makes it a, a thing, physical thing, when he creates us. And so, yes, you can't murder the concept of Michael. You can't murder the concept of a person. However, as soon as God makes it take form, um, it becomes a human, right? That's the one he's going to mm -hmm. have the person in heaven. And so... Um, I would say it's it's not for us to determine the like philosophical question of whether or not God gives souls to babies who will never be born, um, say in legitimate circumstances like a miscarriage or illegitimate circumstances when they're murdered. Um, but what we do know is that just like with anybody, we don't assume that God didn't put a soul into somebody and then kill them. Of course, if they're moving and doing, they have a soul. You're not to kill any human person. Um, equally, you're not to kill any baby. And so the the law stands do not murder and so sebastian justifies why they're humans and the law justifies why you shouldn't murder them and please friend before you say oh so we're just playing guessing games not at all don't we do this as christians we don't because we can't read people's minds we don't know who god's children are out there in the world who are the ones who need saving who are the ones who are going to accept his gift who are the ones who are going to reject it mm -hmm. you treat everyone equally in the sense of you preach the gospel to every single human. Otherwise, you, you know what I'm saying is you're not selective like some hyper-Calvinists out there that say God will find his way. We have to do absolutely nothing. No. Or some seeker-sensitive churches that say you may be a Christian, so therefore I'm going to spend more time on you. You might not be, so I'm not going to spend. No, no, no. You do it with everybody. You don't play any guessing games. Likewise with this, I would say you don't. It is extremely unwise and... You are risking murdering someone. Yeah. One last objection possible. Um, Sebastian, Michael, you guys are fundies, fundamental Christians. Um, this has only been going on since Billy Graham or since the, the U.S. became a, a freakishly um, conservative, old fart Christian nation. Um, 
real Christians, legit Christians, you know, back in the day, the real day, um, they were super pro-abortion and super liberal and also communist. Um, some of those issues for a different time, but this this concept of being anti-abortion is actually some patriarchal addition to Christianity that wasn't there from the beginning of tradition. Of course, we just defended it from the Bible, so so take that, right? It doesn't need to, we don't need to even look at tradition if we're looking at the Bible. But just to point out that this is not a new thing, it's not an American thing, it's not a modern thing, um, it's also in Christian tradition. Sebastian? It is from the Didache. We have talked a lot about the Didache. Very handy, very useful. It's a short, brief, very brief um, compilation of Christian teaching from the very early church. Most scholars would say it is was definitely written prior to the year 100 can guess on the range of time but before the year 100 meaning very early mm-hmm. pretty much around the time of the apostles if not a few years after they die no john would have been alive so never mind that most of the apostles die this is the second commandment of the teaching you shall not murder you shall not commit adultery you shall not be sexually perverse you shall not be sexually promiscuous you shall not steal you shall not pr- practice magic you shall not practice sorcery. You shall not murder a child by abortion, nor kill a child at birth. So there it is. In 70 AD-ish. Um, is well, I would just say year 80, year 90, pretty, pretty early. So pretty early. The Christian church has this command. It was well known in the Roman Empire that Christians were anti-abortion, anti-pagans aborting their children, um, either before birth or usually after birth. When they had the kids, it was harder to kill a baby inside the womb without serious medical complications. Still is today. Uh, back then, even harder. And so they just tossed their babies. And Christians were known for going and adopting abandoned children. And so... Uh, it's a Christian tradition. It's also in the Bible. Therefore, when you rebel against that, when you're pro-choice, as they say, pro-abortion, you are sitting against God and of the grievous matter. You know, there are smaller sins than others. Another weird American tradition is that some that every sin is equal because every sin is anti-God, which is true. But some sins are worse than others, and they have heavier punishments on earth than others. And so, yes, I test that some sins are worse than others, and murder is worse than stealing. Murder mm-hmm. is met with the death penalty. Stealing is met with slavery or, or paying back double what you stole from the person. So this is a highest form of sin. It is a sin that leads to death, as John would say in First John, and therefore we should call it out. Uh, so let's, I, think, I think it's a pretty cut and dry case. You're probably not surprised by our presentation there. Let's move on to a pretty close topic, and that is in vitro fertilization, or IVF, or um, when, when somebody cannot get pregnant, and so they go to a lab technician to say, here's my egg, here's my husband's sperm, or some other person's sperm. Uh-huh. Um, put them together and then install the baby in me so that we can make sure that the, the fertilized egg in me will actually live. Before you continue, I want to say, if you have any disagreements with any of our takes, you're more than welcome to comment. We welcome interaction, but please... If you would be so kind, you can disagree all you would like, cite scripture with the points that you make, how you base your arguments. So we're more than happy to hear any other points. We're happy to be corrected, but the correction has to come from God, meaning the Bible. Yeah. Just just as a disclaimer, you know, I just want to make sure because I've seen some comments that are uh, non-Bible in many cases, some Bible related. So that's appreciated. Yeah. And for the atheists or Hindus or whoever else that don't believe the Bible, you have your own authoritative sources that you hold to as truth. Of course, they suck. Um, so you cite many different ones and you don't agree on the ones that you agree with and whatever else. Um, so you can cite the 
Bhagavad Gita or the sutras or your own studies or whatever else, but just know they're not particularly authoritative for us, but we'll reason with you. Um, but we have an ultimate. You also have an ultimate that you believe intrinsically. Um, we're on totally different boats, and our boat is better than yours. So come to the Bible, use scripture, <laughs> and you'll have a much better time with us and with others. That being said, IVF, in vitro fertilization. My take? Yeah. I say I don't think it is. I don't think that the life born from that is bad. I think I think it will be perfectly reasonable if you cannot get pregnant by regular means, and that's the only way you can do it. I say do it. Here's here's why you might be saying some. I might get get some heat from some fundamentalist people for saying that. How was uh, Jesus born? Was he born by regular intercourse? I hope you'll say no to that. Likewise, how was Adam, a human, a full-born human? How was he made? From not out, not ash, not sand, clay, dirt. Eve, was she conceived? No, born from part of Adam. My point is, a full human can come up from very, I would say probably strange is not the right word. I'm going to say strange circumstances god is capable of bringing life that way and it is still life therefore i say in my humble opinion it is far less less strange to create a human from and joining an egg and sperm outside the body and then planting it back into the woman than it is to making a human out of a pile of dirt right my humble opinion and some might say well there's a there's a god designed method for having babies and that is sex and it has all sorts of benefits yes we wholeheartedly agree and even the couples that use ivf would almost always agree that sex is a better method um usually they are married couples that want a baby and they can't so they go through ivf but they understand just the economics of it are hard it's expensive to go through ivf so um, it's not ideal for anybody and in the other circumstances where it's some um, um, lesbian couple or whatever else that are they are rebelling against god and they're cursed because they can't have fertility and therefore they want to use ivvf to, ivf to take a sperm donor i.e some john they prostitute themselves to some some man they don't even know and they get his baby in them and pretend like it's both of theirs um, we say the sin there is not that a life was created but that there is promiscuity and homosexuality and fornication and all the rest so the sin there is not the IVF itself is all the things surrounding it and then equally if IVF is done in a way that is um, some other man's sperm other than the husband or some other woman's egg other than the wife we would say that's equivalent to taking another wife or having a concubine like abraham which we know is frowned upon in the bible it's not a death worthy sin um, but it is uh, not good and it has all the same not good things that come with having a second wife so we wouldn't recommend it however i'm going to give the nuance that maybe you didn't think about here sebastian ivf is i would also agree is is legitimate human life it's a legitimate way to have a baby however there's a big result of the way they do in vitro fertilization that we have to be careful about, and some Christians are very ignorant of, and they may have IVF, and they don't realize what they've done, to cheapen the procedure. IVF, they take the egg, they take the sperm, and then they combine mm-hmm. it in a petri dish and have them produce babies to cheapen the procedure to make it faster process. Not every, especially in for couples, not every egg-sperm combo is going to take and actually develop into a baby. So often, they will combine many eggs and sperm. Pick a slew of the ones that developed and then take one of them and place it into the woman and so then they end up with nine other babies Mm -hmm. that they freeze and they don't end up developing or they let them die and so we would say 
that that is the same thing as abortion. You've created a bunch of life with the intent to kill it or the intent to store it away. It's like weird kidnapping thing. Mm -hmm. And so there's a huge amount of frozen babies out there um, that some couples have taken up the, the stance that they, they have them implanted into them so they can adopt somebody else's kid like all the way from, from cell form into to babyhood. And so we would say that the test tube frozen babies that are never going to be birthed properly is an abuse of these children that have been installed and then equally when you let them die it's like abortion you're you're creating life to destroy it in that case creating human life to destroy it and so we would be pro um, ethical IVF and that is one egg at a time with one sperm at a time and um, sometimes that results in in getting twins or triplets or quadruplets as happens in reality TV shows and stuff because there's one, more than one egg in this condition but that's the consequence of doing things not the like the best way. The best way is to have normal sex, and then IVF is okay. Um, but there's consequences of it that just are of this world. Interesting. So just to clarify, this would be very different than having frozen ovaries and frozen. I mean, for whatever reason, yeah. we're gonna do this and frozen sperm. Yeah. These have already been fertilized, so therefore there is the life in there that. Yep. That's just frozen sitting there the shelf okay yeah it's like uh freezing han solo and carbonite right like he's still han solo so if yeah you chopped off his head it'd be murdering him <laughs> uh, but it's not good to imprison him either so mm -hmm. it's not good to imprison all these babies um let's skip to then another uh quick like you know we're, we're we're meeting some similar themes here uh topic cloning uh cloning in case you're wondering is that like speaking of star wars is that some star wars technology whatever else um Yes, in Star Trek, no, do we know human clones? Not really, um, but it is possible. They have done it with animals. They do it with pets and sheep. And, and um, the most natural example of cloning is identical twins, where a single cell, a single egg, splits in two, and therefore both are fertilized and both develop into full humans, um, but they are identical genetically, or close to identical genetically, because they've started with the same base genes. Um, that is totally natural it's from god could say it's a result of, of like it's a bad gene mutation that you have this mm -hmm. egg that splits which i would agree with you but um it's ordained by god and it's it's given by god so it's not man tampering and even when man tampers the way they tamper is they take an egg um and they remove the nucleus of the egg so it has all the nutrients that we develop normally but they remove the nucleus of that egg which is usually half um half somebody mm -hmm. and then instead of fertilizing it with sperm they just put in a, a full other person's nucleus in it so like my normal mm -hmm. cells nucleus or, or whoever you're trying to clone's nucleus and once it has a full nucleus that egg will divide 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 and develop just like it would if it got fertilized by a sperm and you end up with the exact same body uh, person that you took the the donor nucleus from and so you can do that and create the exact same person, except they're now however many years younger because they just got born, right? They just got developed. Um, they've done it famously, most famously with Dolly the sheep. Um, there are complications with cloning. Um, some of the complications are when you take a donor nucleus, um, often there is gene degradation in that nucleus because mm. that person has lived for a bit and who knows where you took it from. It might've been like, you know, not that great of a part of the body. The body is always shedding cells because they have problems. And so when you give a donor nucleus, usually it's damaged in some way. And so when that, that creature grows up to full life, 
It usually has a very short life with a lot of problems. Dollar and sheep, famous edition for like two years. Not that sheep have huge life expectancies, but that's really short to a lot of old old age problems early on, fast aging. Because of the theory is because people don't really understand genes very much, which makes gene editing and cloning kind of dangerous. Um, but the sheep suffered and died as if it was an old sheep because it was an old sheep. That's interesting, novel. I don't think it's evil unless you're like a kind of Portuguese I, I don't mind cloning reasons. However, um, here's where I do draw the <laughs> Just like we're saying babies in, nuclear, uh, babies in, in vitro are uh, babies, they're human life. Equally, when you clone, it's very experimental. So a lot of candidates die. Papa, the egg, poorly, or whatever else. Or whatever just dies in suffering because the wrong thing bad. We would say the same thing. If you intentionally clone a baby that you're making, you make a clone, but that little Michael that I'm making now mm -hmm. is like gonna I, I basically know you've got a ninety percent chance of being hurt by my actions, right? It's not like God ordained you had sex in normal way, not meaning to hurt the baby, it comes out with Down syndrome. Oh, uh, the baby has value. Well, this little Michael would totally have value, uh, but if he ends up with a ton of problems because it's an irresponsibility on my part, I would say I am due his physical hurt. Now, that's different than abortion or murder, because just like, like we talked about the different degrees of, of law, so I would say that harming somebody in a cloning incident is equivalent to accidentally harming somebody in the end of So I accidentally uh, take out one of Sebastian's eyes. The law says that I owe him the equivalent money of an eye. Uh, for an eye, it's not about taking somebody else's eye out for their eyes, but paying just the equivalent for an eye. And so if, if I hurt the clone in some deleterious way that I know is from the clone, then I would be due to take reparation. Kill the clone accidentally in vitro, I would consider that murder just like we do with abortion, and therefore it should be my life as manslaughter, even if it was unintentional as manslaughter. Um, and therefore, at least there'd be like some manslaughter charge, which the Bible says you're going to visit your refuge and you have to stay basically in open air prison for the year. Um, if not, it's intentional murder, right? It's intentional murder, so I would be the same charge. In any case, human experimentation cloning is pretty well. Knew it is, I'd say it's very unwise. Uh, however, the clone is not some abomination in God. It's just like an identical twin. None mm -hmm. of us soulless, right? We've all met identical twins, twins I'm sure. Mm -hmm. They are different souls, they are not the same person. They're sisters or brothers or whatever else, they're usually similar and of course they have the same bodies, so they're similar in all those regards, and we're about 50% of our, our bodies God has given us, but they are unique souls. Uh, not unique bodies, unique souls. Therefore, a clone of me would be a distinct person, not the same person. I don't have rights over him that I would myself, and uh, that I wouldn't have over somebody else, and therefore it would be murder to kill a clone, and it is not an abomination against God to make a clone as long as you realize that it's experimented right now. Wow, I was hoping we might disagree on this, but we're actually on point. I was like, wow, how disappointing for me. But it's pretty good. I was actually going to lay all those arguments pretty much like that. Now, what if we perfected the art? If you could make a perfect replica, you know, no, no hurt involved, would it still be, you say, it would not be an abomination? 
No. Part of me suspects that we will never be able to uh -huh. because of the possible effects it would have on society, right? If you just kept um, producing the world's perfect human being, Joe Biden, over and over and over again, <laughs> like, it would, God would, of course, be sovereign and still make one of them unique and have their own souls, but um, it seems against God's normal created order to have people all the same body, um, and therefore, I would say, I don't foresee that ever happening. Because uh -huh. you'd need, like, a whole world order that's just into producing. Because you have to still, like, mother. This, you, can't, you can't grow it outside of a mother's womb. So you still need to put it in somebody's womb. And therefore, you'd have to have, like, a whole legion of women <laughs> birthing clones. Um, but I would say that's a non-biblical topic. And I doubt we will get there. I think some of the intrinsic problems with cloning are never going to go away because we can't really repair genes. Mm -hmm. but that's my opinion. Okay. Do you ever worry about clone armies taking over the world? Uh, no. That, as exciting as that sounds, no. And okay. Well, I don't think that we would ever get there. I do think that I mean, by the off chance it does, be mindful it is part of God's degree because that is a very, very significant event in human history. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if you haven't uh -huh. noticed that. And going back to my reasoning, I was going to say, just say how God made a human from a pile of dirt and has a soul, an identity, personality, and character. I would say also the human born, let's just say perfectly, perfect operation of cloning. No harm was done, no strange aging, all of that is perfected. It would still be a full on human, just like we have identical twins now, so... Again, I was interested. You were saying the same arguments I was going to lay out to explain that. I think it'd be fine. Mm -hmm. So it's probably not good to do it because of how dangerous it is at the moment. You're going to end up killing a lot of people on accident or intentionally. And I would actually question mostly the heart behind the people making the clones because I've seen some... Oh my gosh, I forget the names now. I've seen one scientist. I'm pretty sure he was from India. That He's an atheist. And he was claiming that we have reached the next stage of humanity. We are beyond God. So I'm like, oh, 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 right. well, well, if you have that intention when you make a clone army or when you want to make a perfect human, probably, probably the perfect human more than the clone army. <laughs> clone army, man. Can invade a galaxy somewhere far, far away. Yeah. Hopefully it's, yeah, it's very, very far. Go away. Go some galaxy nowhere close to us with that intention i would say it is definitely sinful because you're clearly trying to uh, throw uh, put yourself above god mm -hmm. which is more arrogant than satan ironically right so how quick quick aside he says i will be like the most high another thing that shows the bible is inspired and not human made a human would have said satan says i will be greater than god yeah. but satan which might seem silly to any you know, person from India, China, someone who's not well acquainted with the Bible. Satan says, I will be like the Most High. Meaning he cannot be greater than God because there's nothing greater than God. It's like, wow, there's a very tiny detail. Well, he tells, tells the humans that they will be like God. And, so the, and that too, yes, God, yes, yeah. yes. Yes. So, um, what's he saying? If the, heart, if the heart behind it is evil, don't do it. If you as a Christian are just fascinated by uh, 
the potential of technology and genetic engineering, I think it's fine. Again, the heart is a big factor and also the dangers behind it. So for them, for the sake of, for the sake of safety, we would say it's probably not good to clone people. Yeah. And there are some other weird clone things. Like there's this whole concept that you can grow clones and then harvest their organs um, for use in a person because you, know, mm. you, you need a liver transplant and the best liver that you could use is your own because your body won't reject it and therefore um, grow a clone and then take his liver. Um, I think there are some practical things that keep that from happening. First and foremost, the fact that clones suck and so you'll make like the world's crappiest replacement liver to replace your current liver. Um, so it probably wouldn't be very good. And then two, you will be making a baby liver. So you need to wait for that baby to grow up. And so you'd need some sort of rapid aging technology. So if you're making a full-fledged human being via regular cloning, I think that is evil. You're organ harvesting from... Yeah, sounds like a horror thing. movie <laughs> plot right there. I'll say if there's some way to just build a liver via cell by cell, um, I don't think that's the equivalent of a human. Therefore, it's fine. Um, so I'm fine with that. But that's not even close to being something um, you'd have to like design a whole liver, which we're barely like designing ears, um, like the outside of the ear, let alone like the actual intricate pieces. Um, however, um, I want to address, address that because I also I disagree with organ harvesting from people, period. So it doesn't matter if they're clones or not. Oh, take that, China. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another thing about cloning is that, like you were saying, Sebastian, I've heard Christians or conservatives or whatever say that it's inherently trying to play God by messing with his creation. And this gets into our next topic. I would say that is possible. Like you said, Sebastian, it could be in somebody's heart, but it's not intrinsic to the activity. Just like when you make a statue of somebody, like for your outside garden, it's not intrinsically idolatry. But you can make a statue of somebody that you intend to worship and it's idolatry, right? So it could be sin or it could be not. The activity isn't what makes it a sin. It's the intention behind it. So I'd say the same thing with cloning or anything else. If you're intending to play God and usurp God by making your own super race of just you, okay. <laughs> the problem there isn't that you're cloning. The problem is that you are um, trying to usurp God and some super race world domination thing. Uh, so let's. this brings us into gene editing which is one i know i've heard one of the podcasters i listen to and so do you sebastian james white great conservative christian biblically founded um he's in panic mode when it comes to gene editing where the chinese have like gene edited some random kids in china to have a gene that is resistant to diabetes and they're doing a study to see how you know how it plays out uh, and they did it like against against moratoriums against gene editing in humans for all the reasons we just talked about in cloning um how do you feel about gene editing, Sebastian? That is editing genes of humans, whether living or about to be living. Specifically about humans, interesting. Or, or I mean, we can expand it to all creation. Because many, we have humans, have, I, I would consider, let's put the humans for aside for a second, briefly. When it comes to plants and animals, I think it is fine because it is, again, fine if your intentions are not to either torture the animals, harvest them, you know, with some carelessness and no concern for their suffering and whatnot. You just couldn't care less and just uh, beat them, kill them, whatever. Evil, e evil intention, evil heart. That's bad. We have been stewarding a creation since the beginning. For example, corn, it, it used to be inedible. Over time, humans were able to 
genetically modify the corn to make it grow larger so that it would be edible. And I mean, yes, I guess you could have eaten it back then, but it would not have been as pleasant as it is today. So that's one thing. Same with many horses, for example. Horses were tiny back in the ancient world, and then we have been genetically engineering them because they were they weren't horses today are not how god created them in eden they were tiny right if you see the ones in mongolia tiny 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 horses tiny people too (laughs) (laughs) i will not comment on that with the horses though we have gone beyond what god created and we have changed probably drastically the original design of the horse when god made them is that sinful i don't think so i think we are stewarding we have made the horse um not better because of our own greatness, but I think the potential was there, right. God ordained, and without any really malicious, wicked intentions trying to usurp God or you know or idolatry, whatever it may be, I think it is allowed for animals, plants. Almonds used to be poison, poisonous. You could, it would be like ingesting a cyanide pill back in the day. So we tone down the cyanide. Now they're cons- they're they're able to be consumed. Is that sinful? Have we usurped God by? Taming a plant? I don't think so. I don't think so. Grapes. We have wi- grapes for wine. You have grapes for eating. They're very, they're very, very different. Again, have we usurped God? I don't think so. I think it is part part of the command for humans to steward creation, tame it, and use it for your enjoyment. Of course, when I say that, giving praise to God. Do most people do that? No. Pagans didn't do that in the end, but the design was there for humans to do that. I think God's intention existed for the plants to be able to diverge in these separate routes mm-hmm. and to be stewarded properly by humans. Whether they're pagans or Christians or Jews, back in the day, the intention from God was there. Okay, that aside, that was a big aside, but very important. Like for humans, we manage our diet to be able to grow. We are much taller than many people in the in the very recent past, like 200 years ago, 300 years ago, mm-hmm. people were so tiny. Not just in Mongolia, but pretty much everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. It's like, wow, from uh, models of clothes of people and reconstructions from bones, tiny people because of their diet. We have a much better diet now. We're much taller. Are we taller than Adam and Eve? Adam and Eve? I don't know. Possib- no, probably no. We'll not comment on that. But we have changed by our diet, by our intentional consumption, how humans were in the past today so is that sinful i don't think so i think you're again unless you're trying to usurp god in the process i think it's fine to change your diet exercise change your routine in order to be able to grow and have your kids grow as a result now when it comes to editing your genes same principle i'm gonna i'm gonna apply my opinion i'm gonna apply the same principle there are you trying to create the master race because the state in China is God, or are you actually doing it because we have a very, very uh, weak group of people that are dying from diabetes in this case, or in the past it was um, vitamin A deficiency. So uh, scientists engineered rice to be able to produce extra vitamin A so that poor people in China wouldn't go blind. Mm-hmm. I would say that's good. More people are thriving, more people are alive, they can see, I think that's good. Likewise, you're engineering people to be able to give them a better life. If that is your intention, I think that is good. I think that's part of stewarding the body and steward and, and stewarding creation. Again, I'm going to go back. Are you trying to create the master race or are you actually doing it to be a good steward of 
whether you're a non-Christian or a Christian, are you doing it to steward for, for good? Mm-hmm. That's my long opinion on the matter. Yeah, and I'll give I'll, I'll agree to all that, so I don't mean to disagree with, with any of that. I, I agree with the fact that, uh, that God has created genetic variety within the genomes of plants and animals, and being um, one of those pieces of creation that have a vast untapped genome that allows for all the variation we see in humans and plants and animals. And like, actually, if you know anything about genetics, you'll know that, that plants have huge genomes, way bigger than, than plants or, an, or than animals and, and other species. So plants have a ton of unused phenotypes in them, meaning they've got a, a whole bunch of unused ways they could grow. And I believe that this is entire. well, first of all, I know it's God-ordained as far as them having these huge genomes that attach potential, so I can only assume that God meant for everything. I mean, we know God is sovereign over everything, so I, I don't have to assume anything. God sovereignly allowed mankind to untap the potential of his plants that he created so that they could produce all varieties of things. If you've ever seen the facts that broccoli is the same as like celery and other things like that, they all derive from the same base plant that, that humans have have genetically engineered via breeding. Um, I totally think it's 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 like exploring the universe, except exploring the gene code, all of God's creation. It's just like going to the depths of the ocean or the far reaches of space. You're going to the depths of God's creation in the gene code. I think it's entirely fair game. There are two exceptions that I want to talk about. I don't know that they're really an exception of my thought, but let's talk about it. When you take genetic code from one species or one thing, and then injected into another. It's a new gene editing mm-hmm. technique called CRISPR. It doesn't have to mm-hmm. do with fertilization or whatever else. Um, you're mixing kinds. So, for example, there was um, an insulin-producing gene in, I think, the human liver. I think it was pigs. No, yeah, pigs. pig. Pig. Pig gene that they took. They took the portion of the pig genome that they determined made insulin, which is a drug humans need to process sugar. And for those who are, have an insulin problem... Um, those who have diabetes, speaking of diabetes, um, they put this portion of the pig's genome code, because pigs, they used to like grind up pig pancreases to, to get the insulin from them and then give them to people, so it was really expensive. They instead edited, they cut out a portion of the, the bacteria's DNA and replaced it with this pig DNA. And then the bacteria, along with many other products, that produce insulin. This was developed in Canada, a technique developed in Canada, and then they were able to produce insulin for bacteria instead of needing to feed pigs and make the thing whatever else it made insulin much cheaper um, benefited a lot of people with diabetes I think it's a great medical advancement but there would be those that point to God's law so I want to like give it as possible to say that you should not mix the time out of the law and that I would consider ceremonial that's, that's fulfilled in Christ and therefore it doesn't need to be followed anymore because Christ fulfills it but where God says that you should mix you should not mix kinds that you should mix um, types of uh, thread in your clothing and you shouldn't sow multiple seeds in one field and therefore you shouldn't mix the kinds on the earth you shouldn't mix um jellyfish with donkeys or whatever else you shouldn't hybrid things like the pig and the the bacteria yeah please don't mix jellyfish and donkeys well they do (laughs) gene editing with jellyfish i know they like take the glow in the dark portion of jellyfish and they put it in other fish um, like that, they make glow in the dark goldfish now with jellyfish DNA. Mm-hmm. Make the bioluminescent. Um, I think that is sinful, plain God, whatever else. I would say no. I think the laws that people point to to say that you're like mixing the kinds and you're trying to play God and whatever else, and they have all like the, the 
disaster movies where somebody's dug too deep and they try to play God and they've done something disastrous. Um, Zombie apocalypse? Well, I mean, COVID, for example, yeah. uh, pending, uh, may have been de- developed in a lab um, that was testing coronaviruses and may have actually been developed via uh, gene CRISPR technology to create a COVID vaccine or create a COVID uh, variant and happen to get out. I don't, I'm not going to be crazy conspiratorial and say they like did it on purpose or whatever, but they just maybe saying it's been made. Um, so, so in this case, it did go awry, right? And they made an infectious disease that, mm-hmm. that hurt the planet, hurt the people. Um, that's bad. Um, so there's dangers to this, just like with cloning and anything else. But I think intrinsically, I would be of the opinion that these genomes are given by God. And yes, we are allowed to steward creation. All these genomes are part of creation. And therefore, we should be able to mix and match every one. As long as we keep in mind that you don't want to hurt people. So if you're gene editing and you're killing tons of fertilized babies um, because you don't consider them valuable life, that's evil. That's a ton of murder. I would assume the Chinese and their human testing, because it's so experimental, probably killed thousands of babies in their process because they're maniacs um so that i disagree with in gene editing on humans or i mean i think we have the right to kill a bunch of pigs so i don't i don't really care about killing a bunch of pigs in vitro but humans i I do um however like you said sebastian if it gets perfected and we know exactly what we're doing right we've done this with pigs we've done it with a bunch of humans or a bunch of non-human studies so we bring it to the human studies and we we do it to a person um as long as we have all the the qualities of like God's law, right? That we, we pay for reparations if we hurt somebody doing this. We, we pay with our life if it is murder, just like we would with any other medicine. I think gene editing is great and it's a God-given gift to humanity to be able to, to, to use genes from ourselves or from other species to, to enhance our lives. And we know our genes have deteriorated from original design. So it's not like we have God's perfect design in us right now and therefore we can't possibly improve it. We have been deteriorating over the last 6,000 years, uh, and even more so after the flood, um, as evidenced by our short lifespans and all the medical problems we have and the cancer. And so I do not believe it is evil to um, try to better our genomes. Do I think that we will ever become immortal because of it? Do I ever think that we will become superhumans? No. Um, I think the most we'll get is the jump that our ancestors came to us, right? Like the most we're going to be able to stretch is within the human genome. Um, I doubt we will unlock some crazy potential to fly or night vision or super jumps or whatever else. We may become bioluminescent, though. Uh, but why would you do that? Apps, <laughs> although we don't have the same... They haven't been able to do it with the mammals because of current restrictions, which I, that's why I'm saying uh-huh. these genes, they're hard to use because mm-hmm. we don't really understand exactly how they work. We're kind of like throwing things at the wall and hoping something sticks. When we've done gene editing in the past, that's why it's dangerous to do in humans right now. I agree with the moratoriums because... It's dangerous to humans, um, and you, you risk a ton of deleterious effects. But I'm not against testing bacteria or animals and trying to perfect it. Because it would be great if you could cure um, cancer in humans, right? And then breeding that into all humans would be fantastic. And I have no problem with that. I don't think God has a problem with that. Of course, he brings cancer, but he also brought shortness of height, and now we've increased short, uh, height. So God has times and for everything. I do not believe it is bad to try to um, alleviate the suffering of humanity. And if you have any problem with that, take it with the Lord himself. What did he do in his life on earth? There were people that were born paralyzed, right. blind. He thwarted the natural order. He grabbed some dirt, threw it in someone's face, and then actually more like spit on the ground and then threw it in someone's face. And the man could see. And equally, we're called to take care of neighbors who would naturally be hurt or whatever else. So it's we are always called to help our neighbors, regardless of what God's law or um, God's will had been up to that point. Um, we're always called to love our neighbors. 
something fascinating, and I don't want to forget this. I think it might be interesting to anybody out there. What you said about that plant, you know, from broccoli and celery, when they come from the one plant, this would have made it conveniently easy for Noah mm -hmm. to just have one small batch of plants in which could easily breed out all other kinds afterwards. Yeah, I don't know if he actually took plants. I think plants seeded themselves across the earth. Um, cause God or seeds. To take plants. Yeah. Um, but maybe he could have. Um, and animals too, because... Animals are really the thing. Like he, the kinds, he took two of every kind of animal in the ark. Um, seven of every clean and, and two of every unclean animal. Um, that to me says that kinds is a broader category than species. And the atheists are always like, hey, oh my gosh, there's billion species and they could never fit in the ark. And I'm like, oh, you're dumb. Because uh, <laughs> they could speciate as evolutionists themselves. The atheists themselves say that... that um, animals do now they think it takes way longer than we do um, but we know and observe speciation that is species becoming other species totally other species that can interbreed um, within just a few generations so we would say that yes there was a limited amount of species in the ark um, they have become the many species we see today and many of them died such as life last topic for today's special i think this will be the shortest one because it basically builds off of everything we've already talked about euthanasia that is ending your life early or ending somebody else's life because of, insert reason, because they suck, because they're the wrong race I don't like, because they will suffer, because they'll have diabetes, because they, they have, have a Down mental syndrome, illness, because they have yeah. a mental illness, because they have spinal bifida, because they're really old and they're in pain, because they're the king of Israel, they're and they ugly. To kill them, because they're ugly, because <laughs> they're, yeah. Insert all your reasons why you might kill somebody before they would normally die. We have one good example of peaceful, kind euthanasia in the Bible, and that is King Saul. He's been mortally wounded, and he's on the battlefield, and his sons have died. He is dying, and he says to an Israeli soldier, kill me before they capture me, because the Philistines are coming to capture him, and they'll torture me and all sorts of stuff. Kill me. Um, spare me the dishonor and the pain of doing it. So the soldier kills him and comes to King David, who's going to be king in Saul's place eventually and there's just a war and stuff but uh, comes to David who's a contender for kingship of course ordained by God and says to him I've I've confirmed that Saul has died because I killed him myself you know I, I did the final blow to him myself um, what you know what's my reward essentially and David said your reward is death because you just killed the king of Israel and then he puts the man to death and so in this case was David wrong no the Bible doesn't say he's wrong sometimes there's not like a People just do things. The Bible doesn't have a comment on whether it's right or wrong, and it's up for you to discern. I believe David is in the right here. That man did not, I mean, he, Saul thought he was doing him a favor. The man thought he was doing Saul a favor. The man thought he was going to win bonus points for the new king doing this. But he did kill Saul, and Saul was still the ordained king of Israel. And therefore, he got the punishment for killing the ordained king of Israel. God has assigned rods, like Assyria was the rod to Israel. In this case, the Philistines are the, the rod attacking Israel and judging Israel. The God is ordained to kill Israelites. But he still demands the payment for their unrighteousness when they come and kill. Like he says to Assyria, mm. you're the rod of my anger and I'll smash you after I'm done with you because you're doing all this wicked stuff that I'm using you for. But it doesn't mean it's good and I'm going to judge you for it in the same way he judged the man who killed Saul for it. He's judging Assyria for the intention of his heart. Likewise, King Saul, he says, I want to die. Well, Yes, he commit the soldier committed murder, which is God has said is evil and is punished accordingly. And likewise, Saul, he didn't really care 
how would the the Philistines would perceive God? He's like, I don't want to be humili. I don't want to be humiliated. Put me out of my misery. My observation has been that it's been the case. The put me out of my misery. I don't want to deal with this. Is what I have heard. Now you may also hear, and I find this uh, fascinating. Can't remember exactly the commentator. My I should take uh, down uh, note down names, but talking about how I have siblings that have mental disabilities, Down syndrome, I believe it was. It's what it was, and also some friends that have that or relatives that have that. And he says, you know, do you know how inconvenient that is? I'm like, oh, 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 I see now why you wanted to have abortion because it just slipped out. Mm-hmm. Inconvenience. That is, that is selfish. You are you want to kill someone for your own benefit, for your own convenience, for your own comfort. That's well, sinful. Uh, I would say it's not necessarily sinful to desire your own comfort. It's it's sinful and what you do about it that makes it um, gluttonous or selfish or whatever else. And so when you want something for yourself and you take it from somebody stealing. Um, it's stealing, so there's the law against that, and then it is selfish because you did something evil to comfort yourself. And in the same way, it is selfish to want your Down syndrome kids dead or your Down syndrome siblings dead, and then it's murder when you kill them, mm-hmm. and it's and it's selfish. So uh, because that's an evil, unlawful thing to do, kill kill people Down syndrome, and that's what happens. Right, abortion is very common for. Um, people who are determined to have Down syndrome or whatever else, Iceland has rid itself of Down syndrome kids by killing them all in the womb. And so we would say, just like we said with abortion, it is murder to kill somebody for whatever reason, except for the two we talked about, and that is in battle or self-defense or in uh, in the case of a civil law broken. It's not a civil law broken, um, the death-worthy offense to have Down syndrome or to be old and dying. And so you cannot, for example, kill yourself Suicide is evil and murder because you don't own yourself. God does. You might be like, I'm autonomous. I get to own myself. So of course I can kill myself. No, you were created by God. You're actually God's creation. You're in the image of God. So when you kill yourself, you're murdering yourself and you'll be held liable for it. Now we know that the um, punishment for sin is death in all offenses. And when you kill yourself, you can't be put to death on earth. So kind of a funny law that it's illegal, but know that it'll be added to the sin tally. And if you don't have Jesus Christ covering you, which you should, and we call all listeners to come to Jesus Christ to pay all your sins. If you haven't, that will just be added to your sin tally. So all that to say, physician-assisted suicide, your own suicide, euthanasia, because you think it's kind, all of those things are murder. Full stop. Even if you know you have one week left to live? Even if you know you have one week left, because we've uh, maybe you haven't all heard stories, but there are certainly stories of people who think they have one week left mm-hmm. and end up living for years. Um, or children they think will have Down syndrome, but end up not. Or people, So God does many things. And even if he doesn't, even if you do die in a week like you thought, or even if the kid does have Down syndrome like you thought, you do not have the right to take your own life premature, nor the those of your kids or whatever else, or of your friends or whoever's asking. And in the same way, so like you said, if you have one week to live, you have one hour to live, you're suffering. It is not a righteous, good thing to do to kill that person who is suffering or to kill yourself. Um, here's my one exception. If it's not murder... It's not murder. So if somebody is on life support, you're currently sustaining them, and, and they 
want to die so they give their hands they, they give their life into the hands of the lord you can take them off life support and that is not murder as long as you're not killing them right like cutting their throat while you take them off life support or whatever else um, you know smothering them with a pillow while you take them off life support then you are letting the lord decide whether or not they live or die and that person may very well die and there are times when people are taking off life support and keep living and recover so all the more reason to not euthanize somebody just because you think it's the like right thing to do um you can take them off life support and equally and here's a, a difficult one if a child is born that requires medical attention to live um and I don't mean like regular attention of a mother. I mean like, you know, hooked up to a machine. I think it is good and righteous and proper to keep the child alive and try to preserve life. But it is not sinning to either not be able to or not um, resuscitate a child. Now, if you had caused that child to be in a state where he needs resuscitation, then it is murder, right? In the case of abortion, famous line from a Virginia governor that says that if you try to abort a baby and it's born alive and it needs resuscitation... There'll be a consultation with the mother and whether or not they want to resuscitate the child. That would be, in that case, murder because you caused that baby to, to need resuscitation. <laughs> but if it needs resuscitation because of something God ordained, like uh, something that happened with the birth or just from the baby's own prematureness or whatever else, it is not, I don't think, murder to allow the baby to die. I would say, however, that there can be like a manslaughter situation where you... There are laws in the Old Testament where if you don't put a parapet around your roof um, and somebody falls off your roof because it's a place where people hang out, you're liable for that person's death because you were careless and you allowed somebody to die. Now, it's not a death penalty. It's manslaughter. So maybe in the same way, if all you needed to do is something simple um, and you didn't because you're being inept, you're being carelessly inept. Um, I think you'd be liable for the death of the baby or liable for the death of the person on a sickbed if they die under your care needlessly. But it's not murder, it's manslaughter, which is a different crime. So I think it's still sinful, but it's not murder. And therefore, in all circumstances, I would say euthanasia is evil, period. And on a note of life support, if you, as a doctor, I don't think the doctor is committing a sin, you know, if the person does, not for euthanasia, but if you be dead, Without the support of the doctor. Yes, like right now, you would be dead without that life support that's artificially keeping you alive. Mm -hmm. It would not be sinful, I would say, for the doctor to take that out. But if your intention is, oh, I hope you die if I take the life support away, even though you would be dead, yes, the intention, I think God will judge the intention of your heart for yeah. wishing that person dead and also <laughs> removing the life support as a yeah. result. Intention matters. Yep. I love any other bioethical issues you can think of, Sebastian? There are some that have come up in the whole abortion debate. I don't think they're really classically biological ethics. They're just regular ethics. For example, adoption has come up a lot where people on TikTok will be like, uh, people that are adopted and put in the foster care system have like a three-fold percent, uh, uh, three-fold times rate of suicide or mental health illness or whatever else. Um the basic rebuttal there is that better to be alive than dead. And so saying that people should have been dead rather than in the foster system is insane. Of course, we promote adoption and the rest. Of course, I think it is good and righteous to adopt. Some people would say that also adopted kids have problems and therefore you shouldn't adopt. Um, <laughs> okay, I mean, adopted kids are almost always better off than if they were in their people that are giving them up as families so, or, or abandoned or orphaned or fostered. So um, all the situations are ridiculous. I don't think it takes too much rebuttal to say that adoption is good and that um, people should re live rather than die. Um, any other bioethical concerns before we wrap up? We've covered a lot of ground. I think we can call it a day. 
tattoos are good. Okay. <laughs> um, yes, yes, they are. With that said, the conclusion of this episode is this. If you have a particular quandary, even if it's newfangled, like gene editing, it's clearly not something that was in the mind of the authors of the Bible when they wrote it. God, of course, has foreseen all things, and his law and his word is fully sufficient for the Christian life. So fully sufficient, meaning it can speak to things like gene editing, like cloning, like whatever else. So if Christians, if you have a disagreement with a fellow Christian, it's only an important disagreement if you can find the reference in Scripture that supports you. And I never, ever, ever mean some weird, fringy, mutilated verse that you've bent towards meaning something that it does not. Like, love your neighbor, meaning that you should all mask up. That's an evil perversion of the Scripture. But if it's directly relevant, then then that's how we should resolve issues, is by going to the Scripture. Sebastian, you had a comment? Like... The Ark of the Covenant, not the Ark of the Covenant, like the Noah's Ark representing the Virgin Mary and how life is going to come out of... Oh my gosh, okay. Uh, or even the Ark of the Covenant too, yes, as a matter of fact. weird biblical analogies that shouldn't exist um, and uh, all bent out of shape versus, like I said, love your neighbors. used constantly for things that are actually evil and pervert God's law. Um, not including those, we should always go to Scripture with an honest heart to debate with each other um, because if we don't we're just quoting sociology papers and whatever else and that is not productive nor is it actually necessary because i think as god's word says his law his word is fully sufficient so we should be able to find resolution to actually important issues in the actually important word and that's why we have found our cause in serving the very same lord jesus christ thanks for listening i've been michael bay behind the machine and to my right it's been sebastian the bookkeeper if you want to see the rest of our episodes, you can go to foundcause.pinebee.com and download them all for listening pleasure. That is audio only, though. If you want to see our video episodes, you have to go to YouTube and search us up, or you can find us on Facebook as well, slash foundcause. We're also on audio um, podcast apps like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and wherever else you might listen to your podcast. So until next time, we talk about something completely different. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.